Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we're going to talk about faith and doubt. Is it okay to have doubts when I have faith? What am I supposed to do by faith with my doubts? And how does faith work as the currency of our relationship with God? Boom. There it is. There it is. First, well, first, uh, and welcome quick. to episode 60. What John, you, you, John says now listeners, we need your help here because John says that Jim thoughts and John thoughts are not actually episodes. They are standalones. The, it's very true. They're not. And so then what episode would this be for us? This John? will be episode 63. Episode 63. When in fact we have gone 65 weeks of recording. Yes. So, uh, welcome to episode 65. That's why that's it's not called week 63. It's called episode 63. <laughs> and we're back in the studio. It feels like it's been a lifetime because we I had J- John thoughts. Then we did a, 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 a remote, remote recording. Yeah. Then we had Jim thoughts. So it's been an, a lifetime, but hopefully you can hear that through the quality and, uh, it feels good. Uh, feels good to be here. Old school, kind of old school, right yeah. here together. Uh, first, it is story time, story or joke time. It's your turn this week. Yeah, so I thought I would tell you about uh, my heroics as a mountain climber. Whoa. So uh, in Colorado, <laughs> uh, let me just say it this way. This way I like to describe it to my Washingtonian friends. Okay. I have climbed four mountains taller than Mount Rainier. Dang. Four of them. That's a good way to put it. Yes, it is, isn't it? In Colorado, there are 53 14,000-foot mountains. 53? 53. There's a debate. Some say there's 52. They actually erode, and so one is right on the bubble. That uh, poor little mountain. Yeah, so there's our debate whether there's 52 or 53. But 53, most mountain climbers would say there's 53 14ers. You know, and Pikes Peak is the most famous mountain in Colorado, and it's one of the smallest 14ers. It's barely 14. Why is it so famous? Is it just so distinct? It's distinct like Rainier. It's out there, and it's kind of all alone, so it, it jumps out at you. And Yeah. Um, anyway, so I had climbed four of those and I was on my fifth. I will tell you about mountain climb number five. Okay. This is on Mount Elbert, 15,002, or I'm sorry, 14,278 feet, uh, Mount Elbert. And, uh, when I got to 14,180, I hit a wall. Now I was starting to feel sick before that. But at 14,180, and I know this because we had GPS things with us, these things that tell us where we're at, I couldn't take another step. And sick how? I mean, nausea, like oh, crazy. Started throwing up. Ooh. Got really, really sick. Food poisoning, you think? or Well, uh, some guys thought altitude sickness. Most of the guys thought it was the apple fritter and Mountain Dew I had at 5 o'clock in the morning just before we started climbing. You want to make this as hard on yourself as possible. Climbing this mountain on hard mode. I threw up so many times. I laid on the ground a couple of times and just begged God to kill me. It is the worst day of my life. I am 90 feet from the summit of my fifth 14er, and I can't do it. Man. I, I thought, well, I can just drag myself that last 80 feet. I couldn't do it by the time i got off the mountain i had thrown up 16 times and your your buddies they didn't pull a uh 
a lame man down to Christ. They didn't carry you they up. They took for the last. no. They wouldn't carry me to the top. That's yeah. it's insane. You couldn't carry somebody to the top. What kind of what kind of summit is it? Are you walking the whole way? Or are you climbing and yeah, walking? There's some. Yeah. There's hand over foot climbing. You don't need any technical equipment to climb the mountain. The mountains we've climbed, and okay. that's why people say no way when they look at Mount Rainier. You can't climb Mount Rainier without you know ice cleats, and it's dangerous. People have died on Mount Rainier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have climbed higher than that. That's, in fact, <laughs> you I started higher. I climbed the second highest peak in the entire state of Colorado, Mount Massive. There uh, you go. That beats the heck out of Albert. That's for El- sure. Albert. Albert. Yeah. Mount Albert or Mount Massive. Which yeah. one do you want to say you summoned? Yeah. Well, the problem with Mount Albert, too, is you can drive to the top. Oh. <laughs> so you just kill yourself to get up there. And then there's kids in sneakers, and yeah. tennis shoes, and three-year-olds. as they pass you and wave. Well, you have to, you do have to, you have the, to go 200 feet. Side. You have to go 200 feet on foot uh, if you drive that high. But we had gone, you know, several thousand feet yeah. of elevation change and many, many miles. Anyway... After we get to the bottom, and even as we're driving away, I had to pull a little car over twice, have the driver pull over twice so I could get out and throw up again on the side of the road. Goodness. It was horrible. And when did you start feeling better? What the heck is what? Uh, Later in the day, you know, way later in the day. Um, this and, has to have been food poisoning. There's no way a fritter in Mountain Dew did this. No, I think it was altitude sickness. I was just underprepared and got altitude sick. And I have tried to climb a mountain one time since. I didn't even make it a half mile and I said guys I'm out I just couldn't do it I was just terrified of getting sick again and hmm. it's a mental block so I've never climbed another one since then I was actually thinking about that today because I can't actually remember why but but somehow I, I have the memory that you, you climbed 14ers yeah and it had been so long and uh I guess now I know yeah that was it you had a Tom Milner cheese experience I did yeah <laughs> <laughs> a little insider joke there my friend yeah. Tom won't eat cheese on anything except pizza and I teased him, you must have had mac, uh, you know, SpaghettiOs or something and threw up as a kid. And he said, that's exactly it. And, yeah. I will, and he unapologetically will not eat cheese. <laughs> there's uh, in, in Japan, there's Mount, Mount Fuji, yes. Fujiyama, which yeah. is Japanese for Mount Fuji. Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, really? So, yes. Yeah, so if you say Mount Fujiyama, you're being redundant because yeah. Yama is mountain in, it's in the Japanese. Redundant Department of Redundancy. Exactly. Yeah. The ATM machine. The Department of the... Redundancy Department. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, but yeah, Rainier, the ATM machine. That's a good one. Yeah. Rainier is actually taller than, than Mount Fuji. And uh, it's so, uh, when you look at a 14er from sea level, it's obviously crazy. Right. And uh, so I've so always I've climbed higher than Fujiyama. Yeah. Yeah, you have. Look at and, me. Well, I just think it's cool because, like, you know, it's kind of like, uh, well, hey, Japan, we don't paint Mount Rainier and everything, you know, and it's, <laughs> it's bigger than yours. That's a, but, <laughs> but also, theirs is not part of a uh, mountain range, I don't think, like ours is. So maybe it looks even more imposing because it just like, comes out like of Like Kilimanjaro. Nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, now I know why you quit climbing. I didn't actually know that. So even I learned yeah. something. Mountain climbing, uh, the four that I climbed, 4.9. It's a bummer. I can't claim the fifth one because I didn't make the last 80 feet. Uh, if I were you, I might. I mean, 80 feet? Come on. Yeah, there's something about that summit that's epic, man. And I will tell you, climbing a 14er is the most demanding physical thing I have ever done and the most rewarding. It's amazing. Of uh, of sound body. So when you're not sick, it was still it was still terribly difficult. Oh, so hard. Uh, my body had a thing where I could tell when we hit 13,000 feet. I never had the GPS guy thing my my guys did. But I would hit this wall and I'd go, we just crossed 13,000, didn't we? And we'd be at either 13.1 or 12.9 every time. Really? And from that point on, my strategy from there on, some of these guys were gazelles, man. They were just, they were, they were 
incredible. Mm-hmm. At 13,000 feet, I would walk for 60 seconds and it would feel like I had run a marathon. Stand still for 60 seconds and it feels like I just got out of bed. What? It's the weirdest phenomenon. And so I literally would walk for 60 seconds, stand still for 60 seconds. And you got a thousand more feet to go. Yes. It's a long ways. And you have all these false summits where you think, oh, there it is. Right. You get to the top of that and then you see that it keeps going. Just breaks your heart because you're just dying. And of course, the first mountain I climbed, I was afraid of dehydrating. So I packed a bunch of water in my backpack, but I don't like just water. I like cold water. Mm -hmm. So genius Jim froze five bottles of water, (laughs) put them in my backpack along with three other bottles of water that are not frozen. Man, I'm just like, I'm carrying a bag of rocks up the mountain. You just, you're like, (laughs) let's take this Christ-like thing to the next level. There you go. Let's carry this cross up a mountain. Right. I think that's my mountain climbing. I'll, I think I'll be driving to Mount Albert if ever I'm going to get to the top of a 14. I tell you what though, if you ever do it, man, you'll say it is one of the most amazing things. And you sit at that summit and you pack out your lunch and you just sit there and the views, there's no way pictures don't do it justice. There's no way to describe it. And there's a little canister there at Mm -hmm. at all the summits and you pull that out and there's a log of everybody who's, you sign your name and the date. Uh, It's pretty epic. Is there a uh, is the descent as difficult or is that just you're just excited to? I love the descent. Going. Some guys hate the descent. It's harder on your knees. Um, I found the secret is you keep your shoes loose on the climb and you tighten those suckers as tight as possible for the descent because your otherwise your toes are just jamming oh, yeah. right into the end of the boots. And I would literally almost run down. You you could just you know <laughs> you just you skip over these rocks. It's really just gravity carrying you down. Yeah. And the slower you go, the harder it is. So. Going fast also has its dangers because misfooting and oh boom. yeah, but yeah. Um, I would I would do a lot of uh, actually kind of just hopping down the mountain, letting gravity do its thing. Yeah, gravity likes me. <laughs> you could say it loves you. <laughs> yes, you could. All right, okay. get us going on the topic today, John. Yeah, okay. So we're going to talk about faith. Uh, I had, uh, you know, the Bible is is such where. You could read something a hundred times, and the hundred and first time, it's gonna, it's gonna get you. And 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 that's the living document part, or the living document. That's the the living, uh, the living word, the mm-hmm. the, the spirit interacting with mm-hmm. this with you and with the scripture, and and it 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 can be different all those times. So this, I love it because one some one way to word that is, uh, mm-hmm. we read the Bible, but sometimes the Bible reads us. Yeah, and this is what happened to you at this moment. Yeah, well, and I think even. Um, just taken on its own in kind of a sterile sense. Hebrews is incredible. Yeah. Um, but this is Hebrews 11. And I love w- what this is because uh, the, there's so many of these words in the Bible. So, so this is faith this is this episode and, and faith is thrown around constantly in, in, in the new Testament. And, uh, and you, everyone kind of has a definition of faith, but it's kind of like love. I feel like everyone, oh, you can ask good point, yeah. 50 different people and you might get different answers. So Hebrews 11 actually gives you a definition of faith. And I love this because you can then take this and replace it in other usages of faith to an extent. I would probably, uh, I would make sure that it is the same root word in right, Greek right. In, in case it was translated Which from a different word. Which is pistis, if you're curious. P-I-S-T-I-S. Pistis is like faith. We didn't, like piston? Is, did that come from that? No, I don't know what came from it, but that's the, that's the word. Okay. Well, so this is uh, in NIV. This is uh, the start of Hebrews 11. Uh we don't know the author, which isn't really important to this conversation, but I found that very interesting. Yeah. Uh, now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And then he goes into, uh, he or she, I guess, uh, goes into this uh, huge 
list of of really the heroes of of our faith and and the judeo christian faith of 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 god's relationship with man really the the flag bearers from time so uh starts off with abel and his uh, sacrifice through faith uh uh he had this pleasing sacrifice and through faith his blood cried out from the ground to god uh um abraham uh moses all the way down noah noah yeah and uh and these people, so so the point of this list is faith and promises. Uh, and all of these uh, men and women who uh, were promised what they actually never saw in their life. So like Abraham, uh, crazy amounts of faith for this promise of God. And he did, it actually doesn't mention his um, stuff with um, Isaac. Uh, Isaac, exactly. Or, or no, he, it does mention that. It doesn't mention his, uh, uh, what's her name? His, Sarah. No, his... his uh, um, non-wife who we had a kid with oh hagar hagar thank you it doesn't mention hagar uh but even if it did it's still it's a positive resume Mm -hmm. uh but point being that uh they had these promises from god they acted in faith towards these promises and even though they didn't see these promises in their lifetime uh, abraham didn't get to see his descendants become like the stars moses didn't get to see the promised land they held on with with this faith and god uh fulfilled his promise um after they had gone and the point of the list is that is the author of hebrews says um, if these people didn't get to see the fulfillment of their promise and they had such faith, now that we have seen the fulfillment of the covenant through Jesus, uh, our faith should be ridiculous. It should be, it should be, um, uh-huh. compounded. Um, but really what this was to me is confirmation of a hesitancy I've had towards a school of thought. So uh-huh. I've seen this thing, uh, where, uh, uh, a, a, a group of Christians were a, a prominent Christian, um, said that basically had this movement where uh, it's okay to doubt, and and I and I this is not I, I think it is okay. I think it's very normal to doubt, mm-hmm. uh, but of a a complete acceptance of doubt to the extent that um, they would kind of asterisk certain statements. So they would say something about uh, the kingdom or about God, and then asterisk it with with how in eternity we're going to have this great experience with God forever, mm-hmm. and then and asterisk. then parentheses if any of this is legit. And it was kind of this, uh, it felt like a cop out and it was this, uh, it was, it was an announcing of doubt in a way to kind of, I think maybe the goal. And I, and I think this is honorable is to make sure people don't feel like they're alone in doubt and that they're weird for doubting, um, some of these things because it's very normal. The normalcy of it, I do not, um, have issues with it is the, um, the surrender to doubt is what I have was, is what, what struck me as odd. The, um, the saying, Mm. The constant asterisking of saying if this is legit or if God is real felt to me like a surrender. And then uh, over and over again, I was affirmed in that that is not I don't think that is inherently biblical in your walk with God. I don't think um, constantly reminding yourself of the doubt and not fighting the doubt that uh, and and stuff. Hebrews as, as as a book in its entirety seems to fight against this. Okay, um, now hold on. Yeah. I just had a realization that this person um, may have been saying that because the distasteful part of Christianity for lots of unbelievers is our certainty and the certainty with which people make outlandish statements like that guy's like Gandhi went to hell. That was one of the favorite one famous oh, ones man. for these young people who said, you know, Gandhi was amazing. Yeah. Too bad he's in hell. And it was, uh, it was uh, Rob, I forget his name who said, really, you know, Gandhi's in hell. Like, you know that, 
right? Yeah. And so uh, this person that you're referring to was really passionate about not presenting everything like we know everything. Certainty is a very unattractive quality when you're talking about faith in terms of religious belief. So how can I be certain that I'm right and you're wrong? And so I think it was an exaggerated response, not to her having, maybe it was that she was having those doubts as dramatically as that sounded, but it might've been a conversation slash marketing tool to let people who, that she's inviting into the faith conversation know, Hey, yeah, I hold this open-handedly because it is faith, not fact. Yeah. Well, and, and I could, I totally see the, um, the value in that. There's a, a topic I will, I'm sure we'll talk about eventually of the many, many, uh, unknowns in, in our faith and that it is not a, um, the Christian faith is not one where we suddenly know all the answers. And I think that's why that def- definition of faith is so helpful to me because it is not, um, it is not necessarily, uh, I know the answers come to me. I can tell you the answers to life. It right. is assurance of hope. Yes. It is. Uh, it is not knowledge. <clears throat> so it give me is, the definition again. Uh, well, let me pull it up again. Okay. Uh, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Okay. So it is not to say that, Hey, I know the answers to life and you don't. Mm-hmm. It is saying the hope that I profess, I'm confident in, and I am assured in things that are not but tangible I, yeah. and material. That the promise that Abraham had, that him and his, you know, very very old wife would, would have a child, would father a nation, yeah, and mother a nation. And well, you think of Noah. You know, one of the things that the Jews, the the Jews say about Noah, when God told Noah to build a boat, mm-hmm. the first thing he did was plant the trees. Hmm. And it's kind of a cool notion because we have such microwave faith. You yeah, know, this has to happen now. If I you right, know. and uh, when you think about the long game of God. That was another thing these people seem to be really patient with is that that the promises of God take time and they seem to be, you know, you'll read two sentences in the Bible and it's 100 years between them. Yeah. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons we have doubts is because our faith doesn't materialize in quantifiable results fast enough. Yeah. Yeah. Let me get through a little, a few few more of these. So another aha I had was that uh, these... Um, the metrics of of these accomplishments, the the thing that these uh, men and women were were measured against or measured for was their faith. Mm. So, uh, like you said earlier, I had this this idea that faith is kind of the currency of our relationship with God, and uh, and these these uh, uh, primarily men and and um, uh, Abraham it says uh, he believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. His belief and his faith was his righteousness. It mm-hmm. wasn't inherent. It wasn't anything else about him, really. It was his willingness to obey God against any kind of mm-hmm. um, wisdom that he thought he had. That was what made him valuable. That's what put him on the list. Every person on that list, as a great uh, man or woman of God, was there because only of faith and yeah. obedience to that faith. Yeah. So, do you want to take these one at a time, or do you want to go through your whole list well, and th- then this, play? This is just the context, and then we'll. Then I've got okay. some more questions about okay. this. This is just kind of saying the ahas to me. And then we'll, and then, and then we got some more, um, but really that, uh, that's it. Those are the last two was that was, was faith as a currency and faith as what made these people remarkable in the first place. That's the scorecard. The score. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, when I think about, um, let's do the currency one first. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me because, uh, there's lots of ways to take this sentence. Faith is the currency of your relationship with God. 
And that could be offensive to some people. And it would say, well, um, what if I'm poor? <laughs> you know, because you could say I have a rich relationship with God because mm-hmm. I am rich in faith. Well, and, and, and what I don't like, I, what yeah. I don't like about it is that is it implies transaction. It implies I give there, God there faith and go. I get back. Go. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I was thinking about the parallel of my relationship with my wife. The currency of that relationship is trust. Hmm. And the marriage is rich when we have trust for each other. Sure. And when trust is gone, the marriage is actually poor. It's poverty stricken. So maybe instead of currency, it is food. Faith is the food of your relationship with, mm. with God. You feed that relationship with faith and you feed the relationship with your wife with trust or maybe time with, with your spouse as well. I would give you, you know, what, what would make you give high marks to your marriage, John? If you say my marriage is great, what are the marks that make you measure that? You said these guys are being measured by this one thing, yeah. faith. What would you measure your marriage by? Uh, first thing that comes to mind is is um, in 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 a in a practical sense it is peace. It is the amount of peace mm. that I feel. But that wouldn't I wouldn't say that that really translates in the same way that faith does with God. Maybe uh, um, commitment, commitment, mm. or, or to me commitment is wrapped with trust. Um, For me, it's trust and servanthood. Okay. Um, if 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 I'm serving my wife and she's serving me, if there's mutual servanthood, mutual submission, mutual caring and looking after the good of the other mm-hmm. uh, with high trust. That to me would be a really rich marriage. Yeah. And, w- and what I like about this model uh, that we're talking about is um, that, that when you can diagnose it like that, when you can say, I don't feel at peace in my marriage, why is that? And it's because of a lack of servitude or a lack of trust or lack of commitment or however, uh, in the same way, what the, what this made me realize was in times, and I had a recent time, uh, where probably in a large part because of the disruption of of churches not being able to spend time in in big worship gatherings and with in 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 kind of a a time when I could expect the presence regularly without having to force it myself mm-hmm. I could go there and, and find it mm-hmm. um, was that uh, uh, I was having a pretty severe disconnect with with God on a on a um, emotional level on a on like a, it was a relationship drought yeah exactly. And the this kind of diagnostic is that if faith, going back to that description, is the assuredness and confidence in the promise of God, hope in things that are not visible, uh, my confidence was down. I was, and it was pessimistic in general. It was, you know, I think about uh, like reading these promises made me sad uh, because I realized that I didn't have a ton of confidence or hope in them and for my own life. These kinds of things. So as yeah. a diagnostics tool, even. Uh, when you look at your relationship with God, mine, I'll speak for myself, faith is a huge um, scorecard for that. And so you're realizing that it, it, these guys are are celebrated. Some people call it the Hall of Faith, chapter, <laughs> chapter 11. <laughs> uh, these guys are, are uh, held up as examples for us because of this thing, this ingredient, which was they had confidence in what they hoped for and they had assurance in something they could not see. Yeah. And uh, you realize that when you are in a drought or you are poverty stricken in your relationship with God, that those things are missing. Yes. And uh, and the follow through with that immediately following Hebrews is James and he has that huge faith and works thing. Mm-hmm. So you could say these are the these is, this is the hall of faith because of their faith and because of their actions on their faith. Right. And we won't really talk about faith and works. Well, right that's now, what confidence but. looks like. Exactly. It looks like taking a step when you can't see where you're going because I have confidence in what I hope for. Yeah. And because I have uh um assurance 
of the God I cannot see. Right. I'm going to do what and, he what he told me to do because I have hope and, and confidence. When his promises are this unrealistic and it's been this long, do you still have the confidence and the hope right. in the things that aren't seen? So we've established the power of faith. Is it in this other school of thought and in, in the fact that everyone has doubt, even these even the people of the Hall of Faith, like we said with uh, with Hagar and and Abraham, uh, is it okay to doubt? Is it is it um, is it inherently wrong to have doubts? No, it's not wrong. Mm-hmm. It is weak. Mm-hmm. It is um, a undeveloped muscle. Sure, underdeveloped. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because um, you know there's a lot of scriptures that talk about it, it, if you have faith, nothing will be impossible. Yeah, that God will do all that you believe. You have not because you ask not. Uh, nothing is impossible for them who believe. Um, so uh, there's a lot, you know, there's, but but then you hear these guys, there's a prosperity faith teacher who said, I mean, he said, I watched him say it, that if he was in an airplane, a My 737, goodness. and a bomb goes off, his seat will land softly on the ground and he won't have a scratch on him because of his faith. Uh, to which I go, Dude, what planet are you from? Yeah, uh, like where? What? What? When he reads uh, Paul getting getting uh, stoned and thrown out of a city, and they right. thought he was dead. What does right. he think happened there with Paul? Right, they just didn't, didn't feel have, a thing. Yeah, didn't feel a thing. Didn't have a <laughs> bruise. Didn't have a cut. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. So uh, that's a different thing. So let's set that aside because that becomes the the actually the the measure of that faith is that I have no discomfort and no pain. Right. And then if you do have discomfort and pain, you think God's not holding up his end of the bargain. Exactly. In that transaction. Because we had a transaction. Right. So, uh, so that's different. So let's, so your question is, is it okay to doubt or is it wrong to have doubts? Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that if a person has no doubts, they're not thinking honestly enough. Sure. Like you're not paying attention. For example, a child has blind trust in their dad. Like, my dad can do anything. He can beat up anybody. My dad can do anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the reality is, no, he can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he can beat up all your friends, right? Maybe. He, he can beat up your little friends, but <laughs> yeah. he might not be able to beat up your friend's dad. Like, you say, my dad <laughs> right. can beat up your dad. Well, right. maybe he can't. Yeah. And so um, so a child, and, and yet we're called to have this kind of childlike faith because it turns out our Heavenly Father can. Yeah. There is no one. He can do anything. Yeah. And so we're invited to this childlike faith. The challenge is when you have adult thinking and you're asked to maintain a childlike faith, Yeah, that's a real challenge. Because the child doesn't actually understand much about the world. And and I don't believe adults do as much as we would like to anyways. Yeah. But you know a lot more. You know yeah. enough to know how hey, scary Hey, six-year-old are. kid, do you realize how many nations have nukes? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> do you know that Russia can tamper with our elections? Yeah. You know, you, you want them to... you you. you you're, you're like, I wish. Yeah. Have you ever I, seen what a chemical fire does to a person? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I think we are called, in spite of our adult ability to reason, to still have confident hope and assurance in what we cannot see. So is it? That's the challenge. Is it not faith with no doubt, but faith in spite of doubt? Is I that think. What? I think your faith has to overcome your doubt. Gotcha. And um, it's, you know, one of the things I realize is that when we say, God, make me strong, mm-hmm. we really mean, I don't want to ever struggle with weakness again. Yeah. And the reality is, courageous people don't have an absence of fear. 
They have a courage that will overcome their fear and they will run straight into the fire anyway. So we have a naive thought that if I have full faith, I'll never have doubt. I'll never have a storm. I'll never have a trial. And that's not true. Faith is demonstrated by not getting what you believe for or taking a incredibly dangerous step because of your confidence. So same with that courage and fear model strength is not being so strong. Everything is easy. It is being tough enough to go through when things are hard and that same kind of model. That's what strength actually is. Yeah. Where, where in my weakness, his strength is perfect. That, that, that model. Yeah. So a person of faith, um, uh, um, uh, there's a phrase, uh, uh, there's a guy I'm really a big fan of named Will Mancini. And he, 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 he's, uh, talks about, um, living gospel centered lives. Mm Mm-hmm. And I love this idea because uh, that means at work, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my work in a gospel-centered way. I'm going to run my marriage, you know, in a gospel-centered way. I'm going to steward the resources entrusted to me by God in a gospel-centered way. The same you could throw the word faith way. Uh, I'm going to sure. do this in a confident hope and in an assurance way. And so uh, the reason these people are celebrated in Hebrews 11 is because they did the they did the thing, <laughs> yeah. They did the thing. They yeah. didn't just have a belief, sit on their couch and have this uh, beautiful romantic belief. They got their hands dirty. They, you know, Abraham. God says to him, "Start walking in that direction, and I'll tell you when to stop. <laughs> Leave your people and your nation. Yeah, start walking, and I'll tell you where to stop." So he packs up and he starts walking. I mean, that's what faith looks like. Yeah. Faith doesn't look like a romantic, syrupy, sweet, romantic uh, Jesus movie. You know, it is down and dirty. Are you going to take that step? Are you going to go all chips in? Are you going to take the risk? That's really what faith is. Yeah. So it's okay to be afraid of that. It's okay to be, to, to calculate the risk of what if I'm wrong? And, and the obedience is what was counted to Abraham as righteousness, mm-hmm. not necessarily the faith. So if say he had, it doesn't, uh, it's, I believe it says that he believed God would resurrect Isaac when he had sacrificed him. Let's say he had brought Isaac up there, even with doubt, the obedience would have been counted as righteousness anyways. So right. maybe the doubt in that situation is not inherently. Well, and that's why James right after Hebrews says, if you don't have the obedience, you don't have the faith. Right. <clears throat> Abraham could have said, Hey, I'm not taking him up the mountain, but I believe you, you can raise him from the dead. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. You don't have the faith. He can raise it. If you don't stick the knife in. Yeah. So. Uh, that's where that there's a marriage there. Uh, yeah. Faith is action. Faith is doing. Faith is risking. Faith isn't just believing or hoping. So on doubt, you know, there's the super, super famous uh, Roman centurion says, I believe, help my unbelief. This prayer mm-hmm. of, of uh, with the little faith I have, please give me more faith. Mm-hmm. If someone like I was, if, if you feel stuck in a season of doubt, and it really doesn't seem like there's any way out of it. Is it is it as simple as saying that prayer? Well, I believe, and I don't think it was a Roman centurion. It was a was dad it? whose son kept having these um, these uh, seizures, and he and he said gotcha. it was a demon. And, and I'm, it, I'm getting the centurion with the servant, yeah. mixed up with that guy. And he says, you know, it causes him to go into the fire, goes into the water, mm-hmm. and um, and he says to Jesus, "Heal him if you can." And Jesus says, "If I can." Yeah. And he says, all things are possible to them who believe. And mm-hmm. he says, I do believe. Help my unbelief. And I pray that prayer a lot. Yeah. 
I think the thing that's fascinating to me about it is how does he help my own belief? He helps me take the step I'm terrified to take. Hmm. It won't be a cerebral or emotional light bulb that comes on and now I feel better. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. It will be, he got me to take the step. But again, to speak for myself, in, in my season of doubt, it wasn't, it wasn't inherently like there wasn't something I felt I was called to do and I was too afraid to do it. Right. It was just this moment or wall or crisis. Right. It was just, it was just confidence man. in the promises of God yeah. and a lack of confidence in the promises. Of God. And now I think we're, we're hitting right where people are right now in the COVID world and the um, protest world and the government division world. Uh, a lot of us are feeling just beat down mm-hmm. and is God really going to fix this? Is this, is it, you know, is this going anywhere good? Yeah. <laughs> and um, what is going on? It feels so out of control. And I find that I got a text this afternoon from a guy who said, please pray for me. I'm so overwhelmed by all that's going on. I'm finding it hard to hold on to my faith. Hmm. So there's nothing wrong with that. That is that is a very real challenge. When we do the flannel graphs and we tell the stories, it's easy to imagine that Abraham just, yeah, hey, Isaac, let's go up that mountain, dude. <laughs> Yoke-de-doke-de-do, probably yeah. singing, whistling while I work, while I take my son up there to kill him. It was yeah. no way it was like that. It had to be the most terrifying thing for Noah to shut that boat door when all the animals came to him and close that door knowing that everyone outside this boat's going to die. Uh, to build a boat. To build a boat that size in the middle of a desert when it had never, ever, ever rained on the earth yet. Mm -hmm. It had never rained. You're in a desert and it's never rained. You're building a boat and everybody's going, what are you doing? They laughed at him and mocked him. And it takes 40 years for him to build that boat. He's taken a social beating for this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. We just don't really get deep into the story sometime and realize how hard that was. So uh, I think what I would... um, what I think happened to your faith, John, is it was starving to death. Hmm. And uh, you weren't in church, this rhythm, right? Uh, this rhythm of worship attendance and community with other believers got broken. Mm-hmm. Then with all the chaos in the world, I don't, I haven't asked you this, but I'm going to, I'm going to guess that your time in the scriptures fractured. It was less consistent. It's a safe guess. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to guess that your time of just singing to God on your own was less. That's non-existent. I don't sing very often. Okay. Um, So, you know, there was a starvation that started to happen. Sure. And then your faith wilted from not being nourished. So uh, in those cases, my advice would be to start nourishing that thing again. You know, start feeding it, nourishing it, having conversations like this one. Um, help have talking to people who've gone through that desert um, yeah, and who've come out on the other side. And um, so, and I, and I agree. I think one of the reasons that uh, I'm, I'm forgetting the scripture, but, but uh, we're told to uh, whatever is righteous. Think of this, whatever's holy, whatever's perfect. Think of these things, whatever's good. Uh, I think one of the reasons for that is just the plain power of positive thinking. Mm-hmm. Holy spirit aside, just the way humans work. Mm-hmm. Um, the power of, of, of positive thinking and the power of, of the influence of what you take in. So if you're just reading these depressing, discouraging news stories constantly, and they always are this year, 
we started 2020 with a possible war with Iran. Do you remember that? No, I don't. Yeah, that was crazy. We we assassinated one of their generals, and then they did an airstrike on an airbase. That was the beginning of 2020. Now yeah. it's just a distant memory. Who who cares? Right. Anyway, uh, that in I I especially again I'll speak for myself am very susceptible to influence and the the uh, oppressive constant mm-hmm. influx of bad news didn't help. But uh, I think the other side of that is, like you said, uh, a, a string of Christians who say, um, we don't talk about doubt, we don't answer these questions, mm-hmm. and it's killing me. Um, how do we talk about doubt? How do we try and address some questions like that um, and not really break that advice of whatever's holy and good, think of these? Right. Because I, I don't want to tell a person struggling with doubt, hey, just don't think about it. You know? No, that's, think, a, that's not a good answer. Right. That's not a good answer at all. And I and you and I have talked over this year of a lot of prominent uh, Christian leaders who have given up on the faith and rejected Christ mm-hmm. out of hand. Yeah. And one of the things they talk about is that no one would let them talk about doubt. You weren't allowed to have doubts in the church. And, and uh, people wouldn't talk about the confusing parts of the Bible. And so uh, it is really important for us to confront our doubts. Um and to navigate them that doubt is so real um doubting thomas you know we right. the poor guy got <laughs> poor that thomas. got that name from one doubtful episode they all told him we've seen him he's risen from the dead i mean you don't blame a guy for doubting that someone rose from the dead well he doubted was seeing him in front of him he said i still won't believe until you let me put my hand oh no mouth. he said that before jesus showed up in the room but I thought he, he told the disciples who said, he's alive. I'm telling you, we saw him. He said, well, I won't believe it till I stick my fingers in his wounds. Then Jesus shows up and says, go ahead, mm. touch, you know, <laughs> the when he feels like an idiot and he gets this name doubting Thomas for one episode of doubt. The guy did incredible things. When you study the life of Thomas after that resurrection, it's incredible what that guy did. Mm. Uh, he's the one that they say took the gospel to India. Oh, so, uh, but he's got this label because he had this, this you moment. know, highly documented doubt, doubting moment. That's pretty funny. And uh, I think many of us feel that way. It was my, you know, um, but doubt is a struggle. And what you have to do is you have to confront it. And the only way to confront it, because because we are dealing with matters of faith, the only way to confront your doubts is to feed your faith. Mm. So uh, you can also attack your doubts. But it's way better to feed your faith. I think playing offense is way better than playing defense. Sure. Awesome. Okay. Let's. Uh, I have a few more questions, and okay. and uh, and we'll uh, keep going after this. But we'll do our show and tell now, and awesome. then a commercial break, and then we'll keep going. So, All right. Show and tell is your turn. And uh, a couple episodes ago, you had uh, told a story. Last episode, you told a story. And you said it would be the content of your show and tell next time. Yeah. So I told the story of uh, of playing uh, instruments, how I've started playing instruments. And uh, recently. And I want to officially apologize uh, because when you said I'm not a musician and I had a little fun with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially when I listened to it, I realized, man, I was just a turd. <laughs> so uh, I think you're actually a very good musician. I love your love for music. And I was I was too hard on you in that moment. So forgive me for that. Well. I forgive you. Thank you. And listeners, I hope you can forgive him too for being so mean <laughs> to me. Um, anyway, I bought a guitar recently. Yeah. And uh, and I got that uh, uh, electric guitar from my cousin, uh, which is still great. I still love that thing. But I wanted an, an acoustic one. Um, if you play guitar, I, I think you get it. There, it is uh, 
I honestly don't know enough about why it is different. The strings on an electric guitar are so much easier to move. Mm. Uh, you can do all kinds of crazy things on an electric that I don't know if they're made of different material. I'm sounding more like a fool the more I talk about it, so I'm, I'll stop. But basically, this new acoustic is a, an Ibanez. Uh, I forget the model, but basically, it's it's a uh, the full dreadnought is the full eight shape of no, the body. Okay, now, okay, the eight shape I get right. That's called the dread. dread that's called the dreadnought. Um, the eight shape is the dreadnought. Yeah, and so this is one where you have the the shape cut out on the on the left side. If you're holding it, it's on the oh, left side. Oh, okay. Uh, so that you can play the higher notes. Gotcha. Uh, which on an acoustic, you're not really going to do anyway if you're just playing chords. You can use a capo and whatever. Uh, but anyway, so it's it's not the full dreadnought. And I don't know. I don't remember the name of this body style, but it's the dreadnought minus that. Uh, gotcha. It's got that cut out thing. Yeah. Yeah. It is full uh, black wood uh, with a white outline along the uh, along the rim. The ring. The, the ring, the yeah. inside ring. No, the full the, the on the full outside. outside of the yeah. of the dreadnought. Yeah, of of the three quarter dreadnought. Yeah, maybe yeah. I don't know whatever yeah. you call it. Um, and uh, no pick guard on it, which I was actually particular about because I don't plan to play with a pick much on it anyways. A pick guard. Pick guard is that little uh, black disc, half disc on the side where you that would that you would oh hit with so your that pick you don't scratch the wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so no pick guard. Um, the another huge thing. I was kind of, I was really, I, I think I'm, I'm bold enough to admit I was kind of vain about it. I want something that looked nice. Mm. I've always wanted a guitar with inlays. So if you, if oh, you remember, like pearl inlays, exactly. Yeah. Instead of like, like Fred Dots are cool, yeah. but with inlays, this yeah. one's got them. It's, uh, it's a pearl looking material. I'm, I doubt it's legit because, yeah. you know, I'm not that loaded. And uh, with some kind of opal um, material in, Ooh, in nice. the middle of it. Yeah. And often I've seen that exact thing. Yeah, I'm sure you have, and I'll show you a picture after this, so you can see yeah. if it's. This, uh, you might call this vintage. This might be old school. It might be made to look old school. It's not that old of a guitar, right? Right. right. Well, yeah. that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah, and then on the twelfth fret. So a lot of guitars like this have a special thing on twelfth fret. I don't really know why. If is you're that, looking at is the, that the the middle C? Uh, it depends on the string. I couldn't really tell you. Hmm. Uh, but uh, the twelfth fret has uh, two dots. If you're looking down at it when you're playing it, there's two, uh, there's one dot for each fret, and the twelfth one has two. Hmm. And on the front of the fretboard, oftentimes, like on a Fender, oftentimes on the twelfth fret, they have the little F logo. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. And so this one has another inlay, but with two stripes of green instead of one stripe of green, which is just a fun little touch. That's cool. Uh, yeah, I think that I think I've basically described it. I'll show you the picture. And uh, and we'll see if I did a good enough job. And we'll put the picture on our uh, website. Or... I'll take a better one then, because I'll actually take a picture of the guitar. I don't have any pictures of it, so I found this on Google, because I forgot to bring it to our uh, studio today. Yeah. Wow. So there's texture in the black. I thought it was just shiny black, but that's a oh, yeah. wood-looking black. It's yeah. got a wood grain to it. Uh-huh. And, uh, and actually, when I was looking at this, I was like, I Googled what it would take to make a guitar. I was like, wouldn't that be cool? It's extraordinarily difficult to make a guitar. Oh, I can only imagine. Uh, so the wood actually is split down the middle and then mirrored, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Um, anyway, I'm a fan. I'm playing a lot at home, and luckily Lindsay has not complained yet. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll get a picture on the website, and you can take a look at it. Thanks for sharing that with of us. Of course. All right, here's our commercial break. We'll be right back. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. 
The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives and who are joining him on his mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash John. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. All right, welcome back. Uh, so uh, before our uh, show and tell, we were talking about uh, the uh, about doubts in a, in a kind of uh, uh, practical sense and the how as a congregation not acknowledging them has proved to be kind of a weakness mm-hmm. um, on a uh, individual level. We address that, you know, you can feed your faith and still have doubts that you yes. don't have to just let them go and, and say, and, and you plug your ears going, no, 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 to, to not have doubts, but you can have faith in spite of doubt on a congregation level. Do you think there's anything we can do? I know we have um, a program called, uh, is it called is alpha? Is that the one where you mm-hmm. can just go there and ask questions? Mm-hmm. We have a program like that. Is that kind of an answer on a large scale? Alpha is a great place to get all of your questions about Christianity asked. So you can, okay. there's no dumb questions, and you get to learn all of the fundamental building blocks of the Christian faith. So it's a great place to go. Uh, and that's really more about the about the content of Christianity. What sure. is it that a, what is what is the faith of Christianity? What are the pillars of that? So that's a good place there. When 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 you think of people having doubts, what what kind of things come to your mind? What what would be some doubts? I think the, the you know they're not really hidden. I think the big ones are uh, um, how does a benign God let suffering happen? How does a benign, all powerful God let suffering happen? If benign, benign, um, uh, good. How does a good, loving God who is who is oh, all so powerful, benevolent? Yeah, yeah, but benevolent's a way better word than benign. Like benign, benign seems the, like a yeah, it's a yeah. neutral. It's a not cancerous. Gotcha. Yeah, benevolent. How does a so is God either not loving or is he not all powerful or if he's both how does suffering happen that, right. that's the big one okay. or uh, questions about you know as we get more uh, theories about how old the earth is and mm-hmm. how human beings came into existence and and uh, and perceived conflicts that those theories might have with scripture mm-hmm. you know the the, the circuit yeah comes. and is creation really twelve uh, or seven physical days or right. or is it something else because we have fossils that are you know mm-hmm. however old or whatever mm-hmm. yeah now those are I would consider those questions more than doubts um, mm-hmm. for some reason I don't know it seem, doubt seems to be more personal is God really going to be there for me. Gotcha. Uh, versus questions of um, big picture understanding. I don't know. I'm, I may be splitting hairs there, but uh, so uh, I think of Job. My mind goes to Job when you ask this question. Okay. You know, Job is getting his butt kicked. Yeah. I mean, brutal. Legendary. Legendary suffering and scraping his sores with pottery and, I mean, miserable. And he says in the middle of that suffering, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Holy smokes. So uh, it's a powerful statement of faith. And this is why God says at the end, even though Job had all these questions, in fact, he says, God, come down here and answer me. You know, he's so upset about the confusion that he's facing. Yeah. I love God. I've trusted God. I've honored God. And here I am suffering. You come explain yourself to me. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And, uh, and yet, even though he's that angry and that upset and that confused, he says, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And so this is where your faith has to be that I am confused. I didn't understand. I think God's okay with that. We are little children, childlike faith. We will throw ourselves on the ground and kick our feet and throw a tantrum. And God is totally cool with that. Um, and he needs you to, to trust when you cannot see. Yeah. And so um, that's when you lose all faith and doubt has overcome you. That's a, that's a tough spot. Yeah. So then you have places like in James where it says, you know, uh, you have not because you ask not. And then sometimes you ask and you ask with the wrong motive to spend it on yourselves. And um, and he says, when you ask, you should ask without doubt, because anyone who doubts is like a wave of the sea tossed to and fro. He's double minded in all his ways. Yeah. I'm surprised we didn't bring it up until now, actually, because yeah. that, that's the definition, a mirroring definition of what doubt is. Exactly. What, what doubt does to you. Yeah, it does. It makes you unstable. It makes you uh, double minded. I believe God, but I don't believe God. I believe God, but I don't believe God. And that's where for me now, this may be. Um, the way I choose to navigate this, this, uh, this zone of battle, but I, my faith does this for me. I have one given, there is a God and he is good and Hmm. he can be trusted. Now, everything else that I don't understand, this doesn't budge. There is a God, he is good and I can trust him. So, so I may be confused by what I'm going through. Sure. Uh, and I will consider all kinds of options, but I will not consider that that one is not true. Yeah. So then the doubt I was talking about earlier, the kind of um, the existential doubt about God, mm-hmm. the doubt of does God really exist? Mm-hmm. You would say that's different than knowing God exists and doubting his promises. Because like yes. Job didn't, I don't think Job had doubts of whether God existed or not. And Abraham didn't have d- doubts or Moses didn't have doubts about if God was there because they had these intense interactions with him. Yeah, uh, it was just doubts about if he was true to his word or not. Yes. Now I will. T- I will confess. Um, this year. So I will say, you know, in my my faith is mature. Whatever it's it's sure. experienced. It's old. Uh, and I'm still shocked that it's still. I still can have a wave, where for a day or two, I wonder what if I've given my whole life to something that's not even real. Hmm. So I think that is normal. Hmm. but it must be confronted and it must be overcome by faith. Sure. So um, that is very real. There's no shame in it. That's the thing I want to make sure I'm making clear is there's no shame in doubt, but doubt must be dealt with just like there's no shame in failure, but you have to respond to your failure. You have to, you have to do something now and you can't wallow in your failure and celebrate failure and think that failure is now my new world. You have to, you have to move on. And I think maybe that is part of the um, fatigue that these that these prominent um, uh, Christ followers fell out about was that they couldn't express that doubt because of that shame, because that stigma yeah. about doubt. So maybe when we talk about a a um, congregant or a large scale response to doubt, it would be the the killing of the stigma or mm-hmm. of the of the the shame involved, so that people could actually talk like this without um, feeling like they're not. I don't know, not on the team anymore. Yeah. There's an interesting book I read. I've read, I say I've read it. I've read a little over half of it. Sure. <laughs> and uh, I really like it, but for some reason I haven't picked it back up. But it's the it's a fictional story of a pastor of a megachurch. And uh, he starts to hit this wall of doubt. He's struggling. And he's struggling with human suffering. He's struggling yeah. with good people who love God, who just keep getting 
their butt kicked. Mm -hmm. And so one Sunday morning, he gets up to preach, and he just can't do it. So he sits on the edge of the platform with his legs hanging off, and he says, guys, I am afraid. I'm doubting. I can't sit here and preach something to you that I'm struggling with right now. And he confesses his doubts. Hmm. After the gathering, the church board gathers around him and says, um, resignation accepted. <laughs> Actually, what we're going to do is we're going to remove you from your office. Mm -hmm. We want you to take a sabbatical, and then we'll decide when you come back from the sabbatical and tell us how you're doing. We'll decide if you get your job back or not. Sure. So they give him this paid time off to go figure this out. And he goes and he follows, he retraces the steps of St. Francis of Assisi. Oh, yeah. And so the, the book's called Chasing Francis. I've heard about this. It's really, really, really good. So if you're a person who's uh, in some doubt zone right now, it might be a good read for you. For sure. Yeah. yeah and you didn't, you didn't finish it. I got through my doubts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so curious as to what happens. I mean, I'm sure it's a happy ending. It, it, well, it's, it's a solid ending. He's, he, he, he starts, you start learning, you know, you, you study, and I didn't know that much about St. Francis of Sissy. And so you're learning his life and his challenges and his doubts and how, and so it's this following his steps and learning a deeper, richer, uh, almost community of faith, the, the kingdom of God, which is got textures of doubt and faith all wrapped in it. It's, it becomes more of a, don't run from your doubts. Um, let that be part of the painting as well, man. Well, that's a solid recommendation to finish this off, I guess. Yeah. What's your takeaway from this whole conversation, John? Uh, uh, takeaway for one would be um, faith not in spite of doubt, but um, or faith not without doubts, but faith in spite of doubt. I love that. Uh, as kind of, it's not like, um, uh, I'm struggling to think of a, a real better analogy than this, but but uh, two meters, and they're not exclusive. So you don't need zero oh. doubt to have any faith. You can have both, and you want to have more faith than doubt, not... Um, not you know no doubts in some faith and and I'm, i've probably reiterated that a few times but that might be my bigger takeaway um and i think when we talk about you know if, ways out of these hopeless situations we've talked about this when we talk about despair mm -hmm. i think they're similar things i think despair and doubt kind of go hand in hand sometimes yeah, they can for sure and uh and the way out is proactive there is there are things you can do to begin the climb out of that pit mm-hmm um, and, uh, and never to, to do it alone. I, I definitely, um, preach more than I practice on this one because I can be, um, I can seclude isolating your thoughts. Yeah. 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 But, uh, um, but yeah, it, it is, uh, the power of mindset, which, um, hopefully we'll talk about it more at, at some point, but, uh, it really does help. And not to just shut out your doubts. It's not, I don't want, cause I, I've struggled with feeling weak when I, when I say I'm not going to think about that, I'm going to dive deep in the word and try and, and look more at these promises because really I felt like my doubts were the truth and I was ignoring the truth mm -hmm. when really I, my doubts were there because of more influence from the negative, dark, crazy world than the influence from the word of God, mm. because you have to seek the word of God. You don't have to seek the doubt. dark, crazy yeah, world. Doubt, doubt shows itself to you all the time. Right. But yeah. you have to look for um, the good and perfect things and, and the the mindset is incredibly powerful. No more than more now than ever have I realized how very very sensitive I am, and I'm and I would wager many people are to the influence of what enters your um, yeah. mind. 
And the, the hard part is like depression, mm-hmm. the, the more, when you're depressed, you, you, you don't have the energy for action for activity. And the less activity you have, the more depression exactly. you get. And it just snowballs and down. And it snowballs down. And yeah. so this is the same with doubts. And so um, I think my takeaway is the Bible certainly does promise that when you when you seek and push and knock and ask, there is great reward there. And so uh, for me, um, I, I, so, I so need to be moving forward instead of stuck in my junk. Mm-hmm. That for me, the question, even in suffering or disappointment, is, okay, this terrible thing happened. Now what are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do? That's my next question. Because if I don't decide what am I going to do, then I will wallow, and it is bad. <laughs> sure. And so uh, faith faith is, a, is an action word. It's a, it's a thing. It's a, yeah. it's a movement. And so um, building that muscle is really important. Yeah, and I'll give a quick asterisk because I've I've had this thing where um where where God says, you know, knock and it will be open, seek and you'll find mm-hmm. and then I seek and nothing happens and I think, Well, what the heck, man? I sought for twelve minutes. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> and and the analogy of the um of the annoying neighbor knocking on the door at yeah. three AM yeah. to get uh some some And they're not going away till you get out of bed and help them. Yeah. The persistence is necessary. Yeah. So don't feel like God's not holding up his end of the bargain when you seek for twelve minutes and then go back to yeah. uh binging a show or and no down no putting down on you. This is this is autobiographical. This is, I'm, yeah, tell, I'm yeah, telling it's you. our struggle. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, hopefully that was helpful to you guys. I personally think that that was a pretty solid one. Uh, I do too. It was helpful to me. It was encouraging to me. Yeah, me too. And man, we all need encouragement in these days that we're in. Thanks for listening. If you know of anybody for whom this could be a help, please pass it on. And uh, as always, we'd love uh, listener feedback. Info at jimandjohn.com. No H in the John. Yeah, please. All right. We will see you guys next week for episode 64. Yay. (laughs) 